This podcast is a TWTT production. Let's enjoy sake, hot or cold. Let's enjoy sake all together with you. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 18 of TWTT, the podcast. My name is Simone Maynard from Melbourne, Australia. I usually say about this point, joining me as always is Maki Tanaka from Tokyo, but for the first time in 18 episodes, she's actually not with us tonight, but I do have my co-host Julian Hausman from Osaka with me this evening. Julian, how are you? Very well as always. As always. I love that. As always. Such an optimistic (laughs) answer. (laughs) Such a positive answer. That's fantastic. And we have two guests with us this evening who are very familiar to both of us and also to the TWTT community. We are catching up tonight with the guys from Sake Tours. Of course, Etsuko Nakamura and Jason Adamson are our special guests this evening. So we're going to uh, do our little intro in two parts and get to hear a little bit of the backstory of both of our guests uh, we're going to start, of course, with Etsuko, who is the founder of Sake Tours. I met Etsuko in uh, Tokyo in 2018 during John Gortner's SPC Level 1, and we've stayed in touch ever since. And pretty much every time I head back to Japan, we try and catch up. And uh, fortunately, the last couple of times that I've been, we've been able to catch up over a few uh, sake and conversation, and it's been wonderful to to stay in touch with Etsuko-san and see how Sake Tours is developing uh, uh, as we know, COVID put a bit of a pause to sake tourism, but it's a subject that we've been wanting to cover on the podcast for a while now. So we're very, very grateful to have our guests with us this evening. So Etsuko, nice to see you and welcome to the podcast. Yes. Hi. Thank you for having me, Simon. It's wonderful. Wonderful to see your face. Are you traveling at the moment? Uh, well, about to to start, but now I'm in my office in Tokyo. So, Etsuko, uh, we'd just like to, for those who don't know who you are and don't know too much about Sake Tours, maybe just give us a little bit of an introduction, uh, who you are and uh, how your Sake journey started and, of course, how Sake Tours came to to be. Yes, Simon, thank you. Well, it's a long journey. I was just uh, thinking, going back all the way to around 2000, well, first of all, I'm a big sake fan, and that's how everything started. And I go all the way back around 2000 when I first uh, had that, wow, sake moment. This is good. I still remember going to Izakaya in Tokyo and having Kaiun <laughs> and Hase Shokichi. And that was so good. And that's where my sake journey started. And uh, since then, I started going to sake classes and uh, sake gatherings. It's like once a month with uh, sensei and uh, with invited brewers. So a little bit uh, like taste with Toji, but in person. Mm. What were you drinking before 
before sake because I mean it's it's interesting when it's a Japanese person who has these kind of uh, encounters well, with sake because obviously sake was around you for your whole life in to some right. degree in a way what took you so long to get to it and what were well, you drinking before I was in California actually until about 2000 uh, and then until then uh, wine California like Northern California and the wine country so you know, naturally, wine was my choice of uh, drink. And then uh, after coming back to Japan around yeah. 2000, and that's when I discovered or re rediscovered a wonderful drink called sake after drinking Hase Shokichi by Kaiun. How long were you in California for? About 10 years. Oh, okay. So I think going back uh, in like 1990, <laughs> mm. uh, then there was some sake boom. And uh, back then I heard about these uh, Niigata sake, you know, this and that in California, but never got into sake until I came back to Japan in 2000. Mm. So after going to these classes, I started my blog around 2000 about sake and food in Tokyo. And then eventually, I had this idea that uh, hmm, it's hard to go to see the sake brewery. Back then, around 2005, sake tourism wasn't there yet. This was before the days of sake tourism. Mm. I still remember talking to some brewers about tourism, and they said, mm, it sounds great, like, you know, sake tourism sounds great, but we're not in business, like tour business. We are not, you know, we can't have people around, like uh, visitors. We are not set up for visitors. So that was like before all these sake tourism uh, took place. So around 2005, I had this idea. Hmm, you know, it, uh, it's hard for even Japanese person to go to sake. Mm. And by going to sake brewery, I visited uh, Chiyomusubi in Totori. And I still remember having their sake with big kani around February. And then it hit me, wow, really, you know, visiting the the brewer and tasting a sake with the local food makes so much sense. So that was my aha moment, uh, you know, at the brewery. But at the same time, I was able to go to Chiyomusubi because I knew, well, I talked to the, the brewer and they said it's okay to visit. So back then, even for a Japanese person, the doors are not open to visit. So I thought, hmm, to promote sake overseas, we need some tours or some way for foreign visitors to visit sake brewery and taste the sake, taste it, and get to know the, the people and get to know the area. Because after, from my experience of going to Chiyomusubi in Totori Prefecture, their sake was no longer just sake. Mm. 
Mm. It was more of this, uh, you know, memory of looking at Toji's hand and then say, saying, wow, like you have really uh, smooth hand. And uh, also uh, going back to that Kani uh, crab story. So Chiyomusubi became really the uh, sake dearest to my heart. And I thought if I'm able to bring people to a sake brewery, then uh, to them, that's going to be a, that um, you know moment when they their uh, sake is no longer just sake drink. It's more of their own experience. Yeah, and I think you know, thinking back at that time, I talked with uh, current president of Rihakushizo Tanaka san, and he was also helping me out at the beginning and he said if 100 vis- people visit their brewery and even one can turn into like really uh, deep sake fan then that one person can turn more people into sake yeah yeah and that's exactly what i had envisioned and uh, along the way, uh, I met John Gautner and uh, started to help him out with his sake professional course that was around 2008. And also, I mentioned him that uh, I really would like to start this uh, sake tour. And he said, sure. And he offered to help me. And that's how the first uh, tour started, I believe, 2009. Mm. And I think uh, our good friend Andre Bishop was on that first tour. Yes, he was on the first uh, ever sake tour. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, that time, only two guests. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, at that time, we uh, I picked... Shimane and Totoi as the destination and uh, turned out to be with two guests. Yeah. That was that was really good journey. And of course it's evolved a lot since then. But I think what you what you say rings true with the TWTT community too, because of course the Taste with the Toji project started during COVID, which was when mm-hmm. you guys weren't able to do the wonderful tours that you offer. And it was a very frustrating time I guess for so many businesses and and of course my heart went out to the to the sake brewers who just nobody was coming to visit them nobody was able to come and visit them and uh, you know a lot of them were struggling with sales and I just wanted to find a way to continue to connect them with an audience and we hear it so often during the Zoom sessions where, uh, you know, people get to know the people behind the brew and then from then on drinking their sake becomes a completely different experience. And, um, you know, to be able to do that in person is just is just wonderful. Yes. And then, uh, you know, when I started or the, the concept of sake tours started, we, I mean, this is a days of blog, no Instagram, no, well, maybe Facebook, but still early days, no Zoom or, you know, maybe Skype. But uh, I think most of the people in Japan didn't use Skype. 
yeah. for video conferencing at that time. So this is pre, you know, technology evolution days. I think they're all still using the fax machine back then, weren't they? I mean, I think a lot of them still do. Still do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes. I, I remember being in a in a sake community on um on Mixi. Oh Do you remember Mixie? Yes, Mixie. Yes. Mixie. Oh yeah. my god. I think that's I think that's actually still in running. I, I, I mean, there are some I, people I there are some so. people. Yeah, yeah, Mix, yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, Mixie was like the Japanese ver- the first Japanese version of Facebook when everyone was too shy to get on Facebook and reveal their real names. That was Mixie was this Japanese version of Facebook where everyone used aliases and hmm. no one used their real photos. And it made it really hard to remember who anybody was. Such a bizarre way of doing social media. Yeah, well, for all social media's faults, I think during uh, during COVID and especially during a lot of lockdowns, it certainly uh, allowed people to connect with each other and and feel not so isolated. So it's it has its good side and its bad side, and mm-hmm. it's been a wonderful way for brewers to you know to connect with an audience. And I, I know um, prior to the the COVID situation, a lot of them hadn't even used the brewers hadn't even used Zoom before and hadn't even thought that that was a way they could perhaps communicate with an audience. So it's been a bit of a revelation for them too. So it's wonderful to see um, that sort of communication continuing. But we do have another guest here too. Uh, we have, of course, Etsuko, your sidekick in Sake Tours, and that is uh, a fellow Aussie. So you're you're a bit outnumbered tonight, Etsuko-san. Normally we're a little bit more balanced. We're going to fly the, fly the flag for Australia tonight and introduce Jason Adamson. So Jason, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Hello, Simone, Julian, Etsuko. Yes, sidekick. I am her sidekick. She wants to kick me sometimes as well. <laughs> a kick in the side. You are a bit more than a sidekick. Of course, that was uh, that was said in the most loving the way possible. But Jason, tell us a little bit about your sake journey and how you came to uh, to be basically running sake tours now. Well, mixed up in it all, yeah. I mean, I came to Japan. My first real introduction to sake, I was living in Shanghai, actually. Um, and I met my wife, who's Japanese. I met her in Shanghai, and then we moved to Japan in 2011. And um, when I moved to Japan, there was a, a master's degree came up that I really was interested in, in gastronomic tourism through Le Cordon Bleu. And so I applied and yeah, started doing that online and focusing on Japanese food and, you know, started a blog and all that kind of stuff as well. And then I thought, well, you know, I need to learn about sake. And yeah, John Gauntner's class came up. I did that in 2015, in January 2015. And met Atsuko there for the first time and then came back the next year for the advanced one. Then in 2016, I think it was, uh, around, oh, it was October 1st, it was Saki Day. Atsuko and I, I don't know, we caught up for drinks and I said to her, you really need a new website. <laughs> <laughs> and so I helped her with that. And then, yeah, one thing led to another. And yeah, and she also actually introduced me to Julian as well yeah. um, on Twitter. So like, do you two know each other? And then me and Julian, I just had a look through Instagram and me and Julian caught up in uh, May 2017. Hmm. And uh, we drank quite a lot, actually, that night. I we usually do. Where we, went. <laughs> we usually do. You're right. And then, yeah, so so basically, yeah, through Saki Tours, I mean, yeah, one thing led to another and we just started evolving more and more and more and, you know, helping Atsuko with marketing and, 
you know, websites and databases and lots of stuff. And then, yeah, mm. here we are. And you do most of the photography as, as well. For the- yeah, so it's yeah, it's basically just me and Etsuko, really. Yeah. Um, do have we do have our wonderful admin staff that help out with millions of spreadsheets and um, you know database and running guests and booking hotels and buses and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, what you see is what you get, really. Etsuko-san, you were saying you started with with a tour with two people. It's clearly evolved. What's the average number of of guests that you have on a tour these days? I think uh, uh, these days we have the uh, average about ten to fourteen. 10, fourteen is the max. Yeah. Of the on the one tour. Yeah. And how many tours are you running a, a year? So uh, we are running uh, this year. We're running uh, eight eight wow. tours, but that's <laughs> that's really <laughs> Jason. Oh, wow. Yes, Jason pushing Etsko to do more work. <laughs> well, that is a lot, but I, I mean, I guess you've got a lot of ground to make up for having um, not been able to do the tours for so long. But how, how have you found post-COVID, has there been a lot more people interested because perhaps they did feel like they missed out on these opportunities? Like has it actually has your business changed a lot since um, since the borders opened again? So we have, uh, uh, you know, good uh, guests that keep coming back on our tours. So, you know, they were ready to, to come no matter what, come back to Japan no matter what. So we started to, to run the tour 2022 in November. Prior to that, uh, we weren't sure if we were able to run the tour because the country opened up, I believe. It was only in... It was October last year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah October, November. October. But uh, uh, leading up to it, it, was there were so many requirements like such as visa and things like that. So when we announced the November 2022 tour... We weren't sure if we can do it, but thanks to our guests who really like waited for us to to offer the tour, and they said basically they said we'll do whatever it takes to get back to Japan and uh, travel with you, and you know for for November tour, they had to apply for the visa and everything. In the end, they didn't need the visa, but they they applied anyway. So, we thanks to those guests, uh, we were able to start right away running the tour. And after the country is open, we are pretty much uh, you know back in in track. Perhaps uh, Jason, uh, thanks to to your uh, marketing too. In addition to 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 those uh, returning guests, we had many new guests interested in the the tour. So perhaps uh, you know combination of many things, pent up demand for travel to Japan. Also, sake is getting more fans overseas, and. It is really good time to travel to Japan with the exchange rate. 
So all things combined, I think, have made a really good environment to travel, to Japan, travel with sake tours, and, the, you know, discover the, the fun part of sake. Yeah, yeah. But, of course, it's not just sake that you focus on with the tours. So, Jason, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what else is involved in a, a, a typical sake tours tour. As well as the sake. So I guess the one thing that one thing that we try and offer our guests is something that it is it is like an it's an, a, a Japan experience for them. You know what I mean? This is sometimes it's on people's bucket lists. You know, sometimes people might have been to Japan before, but we try and give them the best possible experience they can for a week. And sake is yeah maybe an integral part or maybe the foundation of that. But there's so many spin-offs that can be related to sake. You know, everything can be connected back to sake somehow. And, you know, whether that's cultural or food or artisans or, you know, there's so much, you know, you have people who design bottle labels, you know, you have rice farmers, there's communities. So, and we also try and offer something that people can't do by themselves. And that's one of the good things about having a group is that you have the the cash there that we can actually invest back into local communities. So, for example, you know, we're having a, a barbecue at a rice farmer's house, okay? You can't really do that for yourself. It's not worth it for the farmer to do it for four people, even if it's like $400. But if you say to them, look, we'll give you $1,500 to have a barbecue at your house and can we bring some sake and you can talk about what you do, it's worthwhile for them then. And it's also a great experience for the guests. Yeah. So that's kind of what we aim to do. <laughs> And Atsuko and I were just talking, we, we need to start now making every tour better than the last one, which is always challenging because we have, we have some guests have been back. I think one of our guests hung has been maybe on 14 psyche tours, 14. Wow. I guess they come on eight, you know, and now they're starting to compete with each other. They're like, I've been on five, well, I've been on six. And, <laughs> you know, you have people on three a year and stuff like that. So, yeah, it is. So not just about psyche, but. Psyche is kind of the main denominator, I guess. Oh. And people around it, sake brewers and also rice growers or, you know, people in the community. You know, it's the real people, you know, connection that, that is quite special. You have, you have more destinations than you do tours in a year, correct? You said you do about eight tours a year, but you've got more destinations than that on the books. So on our website, we have a lot of tours that we have previously done. And maybe uh, if I can add a little bit. So our tours usually run for five days and uh, we try to stay in small area. By small area, I mean one prefecture or even smaller than one prefecture. Or sometimes two prefectures, but close to each other. One reason is because that gives uh, everyone a reason to come back. And that's how we have 14 destinations. And we've done uh, eight uh, tours a year. But uh, sometimes to the same destination, such as Niigata, but uh, sometimes we run a tour for a few years and then switch to another destination. 
So it's all around small prefecture or area. Uh, and by doing that, it gives people to really get to know the area rather than, you know, traveling through Japan, like one city to another on Shinkansen every day. I mean, that might be fun, but after a while, I think,、uh, you know, if you're coming back to Japan every year, you want to spend more time at、uh, different prefectures, different、uh, cities. So that's what we aim. So for, I looked at your schedule for 2024. And so there's places that you have in your portfolio, but you're not actually going there next year. So for, I think, like, you know, for example, you're not going to Kyushu next year or you're not going to、uh, Akita. So how do, you, how do you decide which places to go to and which places you're not going to go to? And- so, like I said, we have a huge return guest list, probably enough to fill three tours. And all of those guests want to go to a new destination every year or somewhere different or somewhere they haven't been. So, next year we have three Toyama tours, like pretty much back to back. It's a week on, we have a week off, and a week on, a week off, and then another, then the final tour for Toyama. And I would say that's probably about 70% return guests on, on those three tours. And it, it, it also comes down to, I mean, we've just come back from COVID as well. So, you know, a lot of things have changed. A lot of those tours, so Akita, you know, things have changed in Akita, Kyushu, things have changed. You know, we ran that tour last in 2018, I think, Kyushu tour. That's six years ago, you know. So a lot of the places that, you know, we usually go to, some of the businesses may not be there anymore. Some of the people、mm-hmm. have moved on or may not be there anymore. So we, we really have to go back to every place and we do a lot of research and on the ground research. So, you know, we usually travel to a place three or four times for maybe a week long, both of us at Etsuko and myself, or myself or just Etsuko. And, you know, you need, to, you need to make connections and make connections and meet people. So I guess everything that's on our website are the places that we have been. When I started, I don't know if I told you, Jason, but、uh, when I started, I said three years is the max or three tours. To one destination is max for a reason. And、uh, that reason is not to overwhelm the hosts.、Yeah. Because we ask a lot of their time. And when, as I said before, I started when sake tourism was not really in place. And、uh, you know, I didn't want to overburden. Uh, hosts or sake brewers by taking up so much of their time. So,、uh, in the past, we said three years or three tours to one destination.、Mm-hmm. Well, except for Niigata. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a few others. But things are changing. But Etsuko is right. You know, we have to, a lot of it does fall down to our hosts as well. And especially breweries, they're busy. You know what I mean? They're, they're running businesses and And like she said, a lot of them aren't set up for tourism. So, you know, for them to allow us with a group of 14 gaijins to rock through and have a look at their brewery and all that kind of stuff for a day, you know, it, it, it takes their time. And sure.、Yeah. sure. So, how are you? What's the process like for、uh, sourcing a new location? So, is it, does it start with perhaps 
you're out, you try a sake and you're like, oh, I really like this sake. Let's let's find out more about the brewery. Or does it start with uh, the fact that you've traveled to a certain place before and you've uh, discovered, like, how, how what's, what's the yeah. process? Oh, I wish there is a, like a set process because that makes it so easy. But to be, you know, honest, no set, you know, process. Sometimes... Brewer said, come to our region, and or sometimes just uh, uh, guests uh, say, I want to go to this region. Oh. So really, there's no formula. I really wish there is a, you know, a pattern that we can follow uh, to decide where to go next. But of course, it, it, there would have to be a whole lot of research done before you can. So once you once you even if you're suggested a, an area by return customers or um, even by breweries, you'd you'd have to, like you were saying, Jason, one of you would have to go out there and find out what what's available. Yeah. Yes. Once uh, once it starts, then well, before it starts, we uh, take a trip one way or another and uh, map out what can be special about the region and also meet a bunch of locals and, uh, you know, what can we do. Then a second scoping trip is going to be visiting the the brewers, visiting the restaurants, eating at the restaurant, going to the hotels, actually, uh, you know, trying to push down the bed to make sure the bed is not too firm <laughs> and uh, uh drawing so, the coffee yeah just uh, so then that's how you know we have to do three or four scoping trip before offering a tour yeah so a lot there's there's a lot involved so roughly how how what's sort of the timeline between the initial idea of a of a tour and then actually seeing it come to fruition. I suppose it takes two years, two a year, two years, two years, or about. sometimes longer. Yeah, because we also have to take into account as well the the time of year that we travel. You take into account the weather. We have to take into account the food that's in season. So it depends where we're going you know, fish that are in season or what kind of, you know, so for Nagano tour, we go, you know, during uh, the peak Koyo time, the changing of the leaves, and they have great apples. And In short, trying to find the best time and the best experience takes a lot of time to prepare. We just don't do like, oh, let's go to here and then, you know, plan a tour it's just a lot of planning and uh, to curate and prepare the best experience for our guests. For sure. So has there been any any place that you've struck that has been cut off the list that you've gone, okay, we went there, we couldn't find anything that that was tour worthy, we're, we're giving up on this prefecture? Has, has that, that happened yet? No, I don't think Not so. Yet. I don't think there is such a thing as, you know, <laughs> Not interesting, not... There's definitely restaurants and, you know, hotels and stuff like that that we cut from the list. But people and uh, culture, tradition, you know. There's always something to find. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I mean. There's, there's 47 prefectures, so, 
you know, are you limiting yourself or, you know, how far are you going, to, are you willing to go in terms well, of visiting? So for one thing, I think uh, as long as we say sake tours, we'll stick to sake. We won't uh, start whiskey tour. So, so Kagoshima is out then probably, I'm guessing. Maybe, to, to a show yeah. to a tour. Okinawa is not going to be on the list anytime soon. We've, we've got guests that want an Okinawa tour, actually. And we're like, well, there's no, they say, we don't care. And even our Hokkaido tour, you know, we don't visit any breweries on our Hokkaido tour. And that came about with guests saying, we want to go to Hokkaido. And then I said, yeah, let's go to Hokkaido and told everyone we were going. And then Etsuko, I made Etsuko <laughs> go and find interesting things to do in Hokkaido. So it's, I was going to ask, on a tour, you said it's about five days and it's called sake tours. So on an average tour, how many sake breweries or direct like sake related places do you go to? Like not fringe places, but like sake breweries or sake, well, how many sake? Average about uh, three, three okay. breweries and, uh, you know, brewery tour and tasting and sometimes you know we leave it to to the brewer some sometimes the brewer said well you've seen so many breweries already you don't have to see inside the brewery and then uh, you know uh, they take us to to the rice field and do tasting something special so it you know depends on the the host but uh, typically three breweries and sometimes four and you've been doing this you know a long time now so can you give us any uh highlights like some amazing things that you've seen over the the past few years that amazing experiences that, that you've had so it's really hard in terms of sake tours highlights i i believe every tour has like so many nice things and that i actually look forward to going back on the tour in meeting the people, you know, after a year. So it's hard to, to, to think of the highlight, but to me, some of the highlight, like in general, and really people meeting the host and also like having that moment, Ichigo Ichie moment, like the host and the, the guest really click. And that's uh, and in creating such like fun, you know, time. Even I mean, even if we go to the same place twice in a year, the tours still completely well, not completely different, but always a little bit different. You know, depending on the hosts and depending, you know, the weather or whatever. Yeah, everything just skewers into some kind of a different scenario. So, for example, we have a sake picnic in the snow. Some years, no snow. Some years, like two meters of snow. Then we do different things. And then... Yeah, there was no snow one year. And it ended up being a picnic, kind of a picnic, down by the river, this beautiful river. But we had to climb down the riverbank to get there with ropes and climb back up the riverbank with ropes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was a fun, it was a fun afternoon. <laughs> and... No, but actually there was a little bit of snow that day as well. Yeah. So. And then also, like I can remember some moments, impromptu moment. Uh, I was on the, it was on the Okayama tour when uh, this uh, oyster farmer just said, 
when we are eating oyster for before lunch, just uh, snacking on oysters, uh, they said, do you want to go to see the actual farm? And uh, I looked around and everyone said yes. And then actually, I wanted to say no, because I was thinking, oh, what's the uh, you know, liability of taking people? And if anything happens to people, so I wanted to say no, but then everyone said yes. So we ended up going on a boat to see the actual oyster farm where they pull the string of oysters hanging like how many meters, five meters. You know, that was a, a, a wow moment. But uh, really, uh, depending on the guests and then depending on the hosts and the weather, all the experience change. God, I feel like every day is my favorite moment during the tour. We just finished the tour to Nagano, but uh, on Nagano tour, we visit uh, actually farmer's house. And uh, when uh, I was introduced to them uh, through a brewer, and they, we became close friends. And when I first talked to them about the bringing tour, they said, yes, okay, you can come visit us. And then I said, oh, can you just prepare little rice, omusubi and uh, miso shiru? And they said, yeah, 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 we can do that. But then when we went, they they prepared to do like mochitsuki, uh, rice uh, pounding, uh, making a rice cake. And that became like our favorite, favorite moment. It was a total surprise, but it was really, really nice surprise. They brought out uh, old uh, kine, uh, that's uh, like a wooden tub, and uh, uh, husband and wife uh, just uh, found it mochi and then asked our guests to participate, help out. So things like what, that. What happened to safety first? Oh, yes, safety. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they just got to use the hammer. They didn't have to touch the mochi. So. I was going to say, it's one of the, it's, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's one of the most tense no. things to ever watch is these guys making, pounding the, the mochi and the, yeah. one guy's grabbing it and the other guy's smashing it. You want to be the person with the hammer, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that's wonderful. And I, I mean, people can obviously go to the Saki Tours website if they want to find out more information about what you guys do and where you guys go. But uh, you were talking before about, um, so obviously you visit brewers, you visit farmers. You talked about an oyster farmer, which was kind of a, a, a not-so-planned adventure, but obviously the oysters were were part of that itinerary. But who are some of the artisans uh, and, and the, what are some of the crafts that feature in some of these tours for people that might be interested? So, for example, we just finished uh, Nagano tour and uh, in the beginning of November, you know, on that tour, we visit uh, some Urushi lacquer craftspeople. We learn about um, a lot about Urushi, uh, like especially in that area, Kiso Valley in Nagano, is very famous for for lacquerware. And we learn about lacquer, and then you know, I guess get to participate and you know have a little hands-on experience, you know, painting some chopsticks, and you know, we're always trying to include something like that in our tours. Other other craftsmen, binchotang makers, so the Japanese charcoal, the very expensive charcoal, 
there's lots of stories. We go wakasagi ice fishing. Um, and then artists, uh, we also like bring part of uh, our tour is introducing local artists. Like for example, for Sado, I I have this my favorite uh, artist. So introducing her work to our guests is part of the 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 tour. She's a painter. The uh, silk screen or woodblock. Woodblock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Etsuko's uh, living on Sado now. Well, kind of fifty percent. Yes, so she did, she did tell me when, when we last caught up and I and I desperately want to get over there. I've not been to Sado Island. And, of course, they run the uh, the sake school over there too, the Gakogura experience, which, uh, you know, a lot of people on the in the TWTT community, well, I say a lot, several people in the TWTT community have participated in. It's hard yeah. work. Making it is hard sake work. is hard work, Jason. It's, very, yes, it's hard work. At the beginning of the week, you're like, oh, this is easy. This isn't as hard as... And by the end of the week, you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm, but that's it. I, I need to have a massage or something. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier drinking the stuff. We do know that. So we have a, a huge appreciation for those that spend their life uh, crafting and uh, and making the brew. But uh, as far as as far as your clients go, you must get people from all over the world. How, how many of them are initially joining the tours because they have an interest in sake is it most of them or or uh, do you get many people that come over just because they they like the sound of the the itinerary and the cultural experience and then they end up becoming much more of a sake lover than they were when they when they signed up so except for one person one guest i know except for one everyone came to us because of sake they love sake That's and great. they found us yes the one person uh, I uh, didn't know we are sake tours, sake-centric tours. And even today, he keep coming back and then we just uh, uh, say, it's okay, you can drink beer. <laughs> but yeah. actually, no, he is starting but to drink sake yes, now. Yes, he, he is, is now converted. At the beginning, it was yeah. no sake. And he was like, oh, I'll just have a beer. He's Very... now converted to sake, yeah. so... I'm proud to say, like everyone on the sake tour, came to us because of sake. Yeah. But we also have, I mean, on top of that as well, let's go. We do have a lot of people come or couples that come, and sometimes one of them really likes sake, and the other one is like, okay, we're here, and then they slowly I, start to. Yes, they end up uh, really getting into sake. Yeah, really enjoying it. So. Yes. You know, yeah, sometimes we see we see that a lot. And there's still sometimes we even have couples that come and I can think of one one lady doesn't drink, maybe. And then, you know, some people don't drink very much at all. They like to taste a little bit. And then we have other people that drink a lot. Uh, even for guests who do not drink sake that much, they still really enjoy meeting the brewers. They are the highlight. Like you know, I was thinking in my in my mind, I was trying to think what's a highlight. What's a highlight of the tour? Going back to your question earlier, but really now I I can say like, sake is a highlight. Sake and brewers making sake are the highlight. So even for not so big on sake, you know, spouse or you know. 
that uh, kind of like stumbled on sake tour, they end up, they really do appreciate these uh, sake craftspeople, sake artisans, and uh, learning about the process and what goes into sake making. And so it's it's called sake tours, and obviously sake is a big part of the tour. So on average, um, on a, on a sake tours day, what's what time is the first drinks? Depends on the day. What's the earliest? Day earliest, I would say probably nine thirty, ten o'clock. Okay. In the morning. Latest, I would say probably one p.m. Okay. It does depend on the activities that we're doing um, during the day. So if we have something like, for instance, in Hokkaido, you know, we go out on a boat in the morning, and it's Hokkaido. There's ice and you know, it, there's ice everywhere. You slip over and you're on a boat and it's freezing cold and you don't want anybody falling in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, okay, no drinking until we're back. Yeah. And so, and our guests, are, our guests are quite good with that as well. You know, we do have to have that certain, there's a certain uh, element of yeah, responsible service, service of alcohol. alcohol. It, we're a little bit more relaxed than the Australian RSA, but you know, we still do like our guests to, we say to our guests, you know, you can drink as much as you like, but we want you to have a good time tomorrow as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing, you know. So, you know, we don't hold people back, but at the same time, you know, we like to say, look, guys, we've got a big day tomorrow as well. So, yeah. Yeah, our guests are very responsible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and these these groups of people, they, they become friends, you know what I mean? So even some of We've got this network of people and they're all friends. They go and visit each other in Hawaii or some people go to San Francisco. It's like, oh, we come to San Diego or, Wonderful. you know, Australia, Singapore, mm. you know, and they always send us photos. They're like, oh, this is us. So it's great to see our guests, you know, still keeping in touch. And and do, do any of them plan to come back and do a tour together that have met on a tour? Have you ever had that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's uh. Yeah, there's sometimes now they get in groups as well. You know, they'll be like, oh, which tour are you going to be on? We're going to be on this one. Okay, so we'll be on that one. So great for us because we don't have to entertain. We just let them go. They <laughs> <laughs> just have their own party. Tell us a little bit about the food that people can expect to eat on these tours because obviously you focus on local, but what are some of what are some of the food highlights? You mentioned the crab before and the, the oysters. Is it a lot of seafood generally? Well, um, we just really finished Nagano tour, and there's no sea. There's no ocean in Nagano. And, uh, you know, but we still managed to, to get these wonderful meals. Like one one lunch, we did uh, Italian and uh, Masumi pairing at the really nice uh, Italian restaurant. Again, you know, it's all about the seasonal food as well of that region. Yeah, and then another night uh, we did uh, go to this soba restaurant where they have basashi, oh, and, basashi. and then a new soba, yes. And the lady of the restaurant, she goes, you know, uh, mushroom hunting as well. <laughs> so so we basashi being horse sashimi. Yes. Correct. Uh, yes right. So we... We, we try and offer as, you know, as much as an authentic experience as you can, you know. So if, you know, in, in, in Nagano, people eat horse sashimi. It's a delicacy. Yeah. So. And then uh, also I, I remember uh, one of the, our Kyushu tour, we took the group to a udon noodle place where the brewer goes to every day. Mm. And that was a big hit. And so it's a mix of... Uh, you know, food, 
you know, sometimes great seafood when there's, uh, you know, when we are going to Sado or other destinations with the uh, ocean. Or without the, you know, ocean, we managed to have really good uh, local food by the locals. Yeah, food's a big part. Yeah. A really big part of the tours. On our old Kyushu tour, we went to a fugu restaurant. And that was one of the first times I'd eaten fugu where your lips actually do tingle. Yeah, so, you know, we, we do like to delve into the actual local delicacies, really. And, you know, that's a big part of you know, again, Japanese psyche, Japanese food, and yeah. So what's the next tour? Oh, next tour is all Sado, five days, 27th on Monday. Monday I'm uh, taking uh, our guests uh, to experience deep Sado, sake, and, of course, visiting uh, two breweries and uh, three tasting rooms, and... Not only that, uh, doing a puppet show and then going to the temple to listen to the monks and uh, meeting the artists. Yeah. What's the next place that like you, you that's not on your list yet? That's What's the next destination that you, to research? We're currently researching Asol down in Kumamoto. Yeah, Kumamoto, everyone thinks uh, Kumamoto is Shochu country, but northern mm -hmm. Kumamoto is actually, as you know, sake country. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there are about 10 sake brewers in Kumamoto, and they all make really good sake mm -hmm. and such beautiful place. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it will be a wonderful experience once that tour is up and running. But uh, Sado Island would be a, a place that I'd love to love to visit. So I look forward to Jason to seeing your documentation of that next uh, that next tour. Uh, so for those who are interested, of course, your, your website is uh, saketours.com and can find you on Instagram. So Instagram handle is sake underscore tours. Yes. Julian, any last questions before we wrap up? No, no. It's it's been great to hear about the the tours. I mean, you know, I've, I I see the I like seeing the Instagram posts that uh that Jason puts up for for himself and for uh, the 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 tours account as well. Um, that it's it's and they they look they look amazing. They, there is a lot of stuff that you see on the on the you know that that gets posted of, of you know all sorts of experiences which I've yet to experience myself here and you know having lived here for a long time but i don't get to do a lot of these amazing things that they get to do so the tours to me you know do look quite impressive so um uh, maybe one maybe one day i'll uh, i'll get it's going jason to take me along yes find something for me to do i'll carry bags or something i'm, I'm not sure bag boy we need a bag boy <laughs> absolutely if you can if you can weasel your way in somehow on one of these yeah. tours, i'm sure it would get, be a bus <laughs> get a bus driving license <laughs> that's it <laughs> i can't drink if i do that though well, during the day, but yeah, they they do look amazing, and uh, yeah. So for anyone that's uh, that's curious, hopefully we've we've piqued your interest a little bit more, and it's really wonderful though to hear that sake tourism is just continuing to grow. And of course, there's there's a lot of other people that do it that are taking people through breweries and through uh, parts of Japan, and and sake is the focus. But uh, of course, you you guys were, I think. One of the very first to to start really focusing on uh, sake tourism, and 
we we uh, we owe you a lot of uh, gratitude for doing that because it's really opened up a lot of people's eyes to just how amazing the craft of of brewing sake is. So it's really wonderful to hear how many people are starting to appreciate it more, and of course to come back uh, to experience more sake and more Japanese culture. So, Etsuko, Jason, uh, any last words to our listeners? Come to Japan, <laughs> travel with us, <laughs> and enjoy sake. More enjoy sake, yeah. Yes. More importantly, enjoy sake. Keep so, drinking. Keep drinking your sake. Yes. I went to a, a, a rice farmer with a group, and then the rice farmer said, "If you can, if you keep drinking sake, we can keep growing sake rice." So we all said, okay, you know, we want sake rice, like we want you to keep growing sake rice, so we'll keep drinking sake. Well, there you go, folks. It's as simple as keep drinking sake so that the farmers can keep growing the rice and we can all keep enjoying the wonderful the wonderful experience that sake offers to us. Uh, Etsuko, Jason, thank you both so much for your time. It's been such a joy to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And uh, thank you, Julianne. Julianne, as always, a pleasure to uh, to host this podcast with you and uh, we look forward to our next chat. And if you do get to sneak on one of these tours, um, see if you can find a role for me as well. (laughs) Yeah, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. All right. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode and a special shout out to our subscribers over at Patreon. We will be back with another episode soon-ish. Uh, we're not really a, a weekly or fortnightly podcast, but we we release episodes on a fairly regular basis and we look forward to you joining us again. So until next time, stay safe, be kind and keep enjoying sake. Sake.